Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Pensburg Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Bahanna, and alongside me, as always, fellow Pensburg writer, Robbie Noggle. Robbie, how have you been since last week's episode? I can't complain too much. Uh, nice long weekend coming up. The weather's finally starting to look a little more uh, permanent in spring, so uh, all in all, not too bad. You know what, Robbie? We have, we have some good things. I, I like that. You're taking the positive outlook and i agree with you mm-hmm. spring is spring is just about here the weather's finally starting to turn where you and i both live like you said you're going to have the light nice long easter weekend uh, unfortunately though the same positive outlook cannot be attributed to the pittsburgh penguins since our last podcast really over the last couple of weeks uh i think it's fair to say the penguins have played some of their worst hockey throughout the entirety of the season over this last two to three week stretch of play. And a large part of that can surely be, uh, surely be chalked up to fatigue, exhaustion, uh, cramming a lot of these games into a short period of time. Uh, the players, many on the penguins just are ready for the regular season to be over with, uh, and, and move on into the playoffs. The penguins haven't officially clinched a playoff spot as we record this at about five 30 on Thursday 5.30 p.m. on Thursday, April 14th. Uh, a win 
Uh, a win in any fashion against the Islanders tonight will guarantee the Penguins a 16th consecutive Stanley Cup playoff appearance. Uh, obviously, we'll have to wait and see what that game has in store for us. But uh, while we wait for that game, let's talk about some of the other games that the Penguins have played since our last podcast episode. We'll start with the game on April 7th against the New York Rangers, a team that... Uh, at the moment, looks like the Penguins will play in the first round. However, that is far from a guarantee at this point, considering how the Penguins have slid down the standings and other teams around them have jumped up into the standings in the Metropolitan Division. But not a lot to speak of uh, from the Penguins' point of view as there were no goals in the first period and the Rangers scored three goals from Frank Vitrano, Artemi Panarin, and Dryden Hunt as the Rangers once again rode Igor Shosturkin to uh, a 30 save shutout for the very hot Rangers goaltender. Again, no offense to speak of from the Penguins perspective, Robbie, it's a game that you don't like to see the Penguins drop against the Rangers at that point from April 7th to now April 14th. It doesn't look like the, the Penguins will catch the Rangers and leapfrog them in the standings. However, crazier things have happened with a couple of games left uh, in the regular season here. It looks like the Rangers will finish ahead of the Penguins. The Rangers are certainly trending in the right direction, whereas right now the Penguins are are kind of treading in the wrong direction here. Uh, we'll keep this recap uh, brief and short as I want to get into the main segment here, and we'll talk about the Penguins' playoff chances uh, in a little bit. The Penguins move on April 9th against the Capitals, uh, another game. The Penguins would lose uh, their fourth straight this time against the Capitals. The Capitals beat the Penguins by a score of 6-3. to three. Brian Rust actually gets the scoring going for the Penguins 45 seconds into the first period. However, Marcus Johansson would find the equalizer for the Capitals. Just a few seconds later at the 101 mark of the first period, Dmitry Orlov would give the Capitals the lead at the 724 mark of the first period. However, Jeff Carter would answer back with just a just about 90 seconds left in the in the uh, first period of play, his 17th goal of the season. And big Brian Boyle now in double digits on the season. Who would have guessed that when he was signed to a PTO before the beginning of, uh, of the regular season? Brian Boyle with double-digit goals here. What a tremendous return on investment Brian Boyle has been. Boyle actually gives the Penguins the lead uh, at the 1934 mark of the first period of play. The Penguins go into the first intermission up by a goal, 3-2. to two. However, Alex Ovechkin on the power play at the 449 mark of the second would get his 44th goal of the season to tie it up. And into the third period, goals by Tom Wilson, Evgeny Kuznetsov, and Martin Fervery would combine to give Washington, again, like I mentioned, a, a very dominant 6-3 win over the Penguins, sending them to their fourth straight loss. Moving forward, uh, the Penguins would meet the Nashville Predators on April 10th, and this game can largely be remembered thanks to Sidney Crosby effectively putting the team on his back, saying he is not going to let his team lose a fifth straight game. Crosby gets the scoring going for the Penguins at the 458 mark of the first period. Pittsburgh out to a one nothing lead. He uh, would score the game-winning goal in overtime as both of these teams would head into overtime tied at two. He would score the 28th goal of his season at the 221 mark of the overtime frame. Pittsburgh finally gets off the schneid, gets a very big two points uh, against the Predators, uh, winning this one by a score of 3-2. to two. And the last game here uh, is against the Islanders from April 12th. Uh, the Penguins were beginning a home-and-home -home set with the Islanders. Uh, this time they were up in Long Island, New York. 
the Islanders would win this game in a shootout by a score of 5-4, to four, very back-and-forth game between these two teams. It never seemed to disappoint. A regulation win during this contest would have clinched a, a playoff spot for the Penguins, however, uh, because the, the Penguins and Islanders were taken to overtime and eventually the shootout that kept the Penguins from clinching an official playoff spot again like I mentioned at the start of the show uh, the Penguins as we record tonight on April 14th can clinch a playoff spot with a win in any fashion it could be regulation overtime or the shootout the Penguins can clinch a playoff spot if they beat the Islanders tonight so that is what we will be watching for Robbie I'm sure you and I will be uh, watching to see how well the Penguins play and how well in, in particular how well one player is playing one player that I'm going to be keeping an eye on in this game, Robbie, is the player that I want to talk about this week. That player is defenseman Brian Dumoulin. And uh, Dumoulin has seen his fair share of criticism in recent weeks, uh, being tuned into social media, seeing a lot of uh, a lot of takes geared towards Brian Dumoulin's way. Dumoulin has really been on that top pairing with Latang for what seems like the last four or five seasons, and he's typically been a very reliable stay-at-home yin to Chris Latang's more offensively-minded, risk-taking yang. They complement each other very well and have for for really the last four or five seasons, like I like I've said. But uh, recently, Robbie. Dumoulin has been in a very noticeable downswing of play. It seems like he's lost some of his mobility and he's making some very questionable decisions in the defensive zone and he's getting beat more frequently by the opposing player coming into what is their offensive zone, obviously. So, Robbie, the, the question for you this week is, could this be a case of, of Dumoulin playing through some sort of nagging injury or is it time for Mike Sullivan and company to seriously consider benching the veteran. And I'll take it a step further because it's been talked about, and we've certainly talked about it on the podcast. Is it time to maybe explore trade opportunities to shed Dumoulin's salary to extend the likes of maybe Brian Rustrup, Genny Malkin in the offseason? It seems to some extent that Mike Sullivan, who is very dependent on his veteran players, uh, took notice of this in the last game against the New York Islanders, and he moved Dumoulin to the second pairing and bumped Mike Matheson up to the top pairing alongside Chris Letang. So with all of that information, Robbie, let, let's let's turn our focus to Brian Dumoulin, a very troubling few weeks for the defenseman. He hasn't looked like his normal self. Uh, so the question I'm posing to you, is the decline of Brian Dumoulin a, a real possibility that we have to take into consideration from this point forward? I think you have to, for the most part, for most of the season when he was struggling, I tried to give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he would turn things around. Maybe it was a lingering injury. Maybe it was just something just personal. You never know uh, what what could be affecting a player because it just seems it was just such a drop-off. I mean, he wasn't bad last year. He obviously has a track record of being a great defenseman for the Penguins. Uh, like you mentioned, especially working with uh, Chris Letang on that top unit being uh, the counterpart, the defensive counterpart to Letang's offensive skill. But this season, it's just, it felt like it never got going for Dumoulin this year. And he's been downright, I mean, with all respect to everything he's done in Pittsburgh, he's been downright bad at times this year. And he hasn't really shown even flashes of the defenseman he was. And 
I think, yeah, if things keep going this way, depending on how the season plays out, I don't see any reason that there's not a possible possibility of at least some discussion about what his future is in Pittsburgh, especially with what's awaiting the Penguins in the offseason with Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang, Brian Rust, uh, Ricard Raquel. Do you think that Brian Dumoulin can move up there and be a can you get him off that top line and maybe you move up a John Marino or a, a a Marcus Pedersen if you decide to keep him? Do you think you have another option to go alongside Chris Letang? Obviously, you want a defensive, a more defensive option alongside Letang given uh, how Letang plays the game. But I just, it's just, it's so shocking to watch how far he's fallen off this year and it's really bizarre and hey maybe there is an underlying issue at play but I think at this point it's just been it's just been such a long it's just been so extended at such an extended period that he's been really significantly worse than he was uh, last year and the years before where he was a extremely solid defensive defenseman was the perfect counterpart to Chris Letang and it's it's almost like he forgot how to play the game and he looks like he's almost a rookie up there on that at times and mistakes he's making stuff that you never saw out of him before. And he's the type of guy where Latang, as he ages, he's in peak physical condi- condition and he has the offensive skills that are still there. They haven't really diminished at all. And if not, they've gotten better. Brian Dumoulin is so reliant on that defensive game that when that defensive game vanishes, he doesn't really have the offensive upside to counteract that slide on, on the defensive side. So I think that, I mean, depending on how everything plays out this offseason, uh, through the playoffs and into the offseason, um, I think that Brian Dumlin, I mean, yeah, there's going to be guys gone next year, uh, whether people want to or not. And most likely they're going to be guys that are, one, were important parts of those Stanley Cups in 2016 and 2017, fan-favorite players. Uh, it's just going to be the um, the nature of the sport and what the Penguins are up against with the salary cap. So um, maybe Brian Dumoulin is one of those guys just simply because they're going to be crunched. They're going to need um, to move some money. And right now, Brian Dumoulin is just not – something is not right. And whether it is just a drop-off um, play while, like it's just – He's diminished. His age is catching up to him. He has had injuries in the past that could finally be taking their toll um, on his overall his overall performance. So I think that when they sit down and evaluate everything, I think Brian Dumlin, I mean, the questions are going to be asked. Do they think that he uh, can bounce back after a bad season? Do they have faith that he can uh, return to at least part of that, that, that skill that he showed um, in years past where he um, was the solid, solid as any of them come on the defensive side of the ice. And yeah, I mean, he'd score every once in a while. I mean, he'd score two or three goals a year, but he wasn't there to score. He was there to play defense, anchor down uh, that top pair, and let Chris Letang uh, do what Chris Letang is so very good at doing. And it has worked out brilliantly for both Latang, Dumlin, and the Penguins franchise as a whole. So I think that he, his play has definitely brought up a lot of question marks. And going forward, I think that 
with the situation the Penguins will be in this offseason, you're going to have to sit down and look at ways to possibly shed some salary. It's something that's going to have to be done, especially if you want to bring back guys like Malkin, Latang, and Rust uh, on extension. So uh, is Brian Dumlin, is he playing his way out of Pittsburgh? I think that is definitely a legitimate question and something that we'll certainly be dived in. We'll dive into more um, once the season ends. I could tell, Robbie, by the tone of your voice there when describing some of Dumoulin's play in, in recent weeks, you mentioned that it's almost like he forgets how to play defense. And I could tell on the tone of your voice there that you were almost flabbergasted. You, you were almost taken aback because it, it is that startling. That's how reliable Brian Dumoulin has been. He has been that anchor to, like you said, he has been that anchor to Chris Letang for so many seasons. And for us Penguins fans, he has been through many of the ups, including the two Stanley Cups in fifteen and sixteen and seventeen, and some of the downs as well. And it, it, it's kind of, of crazy to see if if this is the beginning of Brian Dumoulin's downswing on his career. If he is going to age rather rapidly and continue to decline physically, boy, what what a what a what an unfortunate problem the Penguins might have on their hands. It is interesting, and I, I will say I, I agree with you. The Penguins might look at next season because they will sit down and reevaluate everything this offseason because uh, obviously they do have some important decisions to make uh, regarding certain contract extensions. They will sit down and evaluate Brian Dumoulin's play. It is interesting to see if they are going to grant him that that bounce back year next year he is under contract through the end of next season i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not as um, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's going to be very interesting. Or do they say, thanks for your service. We have to make some difficult decisions as it relates to the salary cap. And we're going to explore trade options uh, with, with other teams. It's definitely not a positive development for the Penguins. And coincidentally, it coincides with the Penguins' Dumoulin's play. While it has been pretty up and down and mostly down throughout the duration of this season, uh, it doesn't come at the best time for the Penguins, who, as we mentioned earlier in this episode, have been on a downswing in their play and their team performance recently, uh, really not pro pro uh, producing some of the best hockey when you want your team to be producing some of the best hockey towards the end of the regular season as we gear towards the playoffs. And like I mentioned, I mentioned fatigue could be a, a possible issue, and, and fatigue could be an issue for Dumoulin and maybe some of the older veteran players. These players have played a lot of hockey in a condensed period of time because of no, no uh, Olympic hockey in February uh, and game postponements from earlier in the season. I'm not saying these players aren't used to that. These these are supremely conditioned athletes, but that would take a toll on, on anybody playing this much high-level intensity hockey over the course of such a short amount of time. But whatever the case may be, it's going to be something that I'm going to be watching with a very keen eye in this offseason after the postseason or yeah, after the Penguins postseason is over, however long it is, that's when the decisions are made that I'm very much looking forward to, to seeing how Ron Hextall 
and Brian Burke and the rest of the organization begins to shape their team. Because like you mentioned, Robbie, the Penguins will have some very difficult decisions to make as it relates to the salary cap uh, heading into the 2022-23 season. Uh, But let's switch gears now. We have a a nice, hefty six-question mailbag for all of you wonderful listeners this week. If you're a first-time listener of the Pennsburg Podcast or you're a long-time listener and you'd like to contribute to the Pennsburg Podcast mailbag, you can do so by following our Pennsburg Podcast Twitter account. Every week we will send out a mailbag tweet asking for your participation in this mailbag segment. And like I mentioned, we have uh, six contributors to this mailbag. Robbie, like always, you'll get first crack at the mailbag. Question number one comes from Tony Nakunin, who has a a three-party. He has three questions here for you, and I'll I'll read them off to you. Tony heard somewhere that the Penguins are allowing the most high-danger scoring area shots against than any other team in the NHL. How true is this statement? His second question relates to Brian Dumoulin, which we kind of already covered. His second question is, what do we do and where do we place Brian Dumoulin? And his third question is, do you think there's any future for a potential Heinen, uh, Danton Heinen, Brian Boyle, Kasperi Kapanen as more of a scoring fourth line? Uh, We'll start here in order. Uh, I don't have the exact stats in front of me, but it would not surprise me at all to find out the Penguins are allowing the most uh, high-danger scoring opportunities in the NHL at the moment. Uh, I think you've seen these past six or seven games, uh, the defensive zone coverage has not been great. Uh, you saw it, especially against um, New uh, New York, uh, the Islanders the other night, uh, giving up just some atrocious opportunities that the Islanders, uh, though their struggles are, I mean, their pro players are going to cash in on some of these opportunities. Uh, it's just, it's been really ugly on the back end uh, these last couple weeks, and hopefully they can at least uh, settle the boat there a little bit. Uh, as we wind up the season and get ready for the playoffs. Uh, Brian Doolin, where to place him? I think as long as he is um, in the lineup, I think he's alongside Chris Letang on that top pairing. I just think that's what Mike Sullivan's going to roll with. It has worked in the past, and despite his struggles, I think you have better odds of that, of him reigniting himself for a run uh, with Chris Letang um, beside him rather than putting him down uh, a line and getting him with a partner he may not have the chemistry with. Um, so regardless of struggles, I still think he is with Crystal Tang on the top pairing. And third, any future for um, Heinen, Boyle, Kapanen as a scoring fourth line? Um, I mean, obviously you mentioned it in the uh, initial recap segment at the beginning. Brian Boyle into double digits uh, for goals this year. To say that's unexpected is putting it very lightly. Uh, Denton Heinen is, I believe, at a career number in goals, and we've waxed poetic quite a bit about Casper Kapanen this season here on the podcast. So uh, if they could all find their scoring touches, I mean, yeah, you have to like what that potentially brings uh, to the table. Kapanen has a lot of speed. Heinen has shown his ability to finish, and Brian Boyle has been almost an ageless wonder for the Penguins and is probably playing his way into a, a contract extension with the Penguins next year. So, yeah, I mean, if they can try to keep that line together, uh, why not take a chance after the season? Uh, again, a lot's going to be up in the air. Heinen will be a free agent. Boyle, they'd obviously have to bring back. And Kapanen, a lot of questions will be asked uh, about his future in Pittsburgh as well. So for the rest of this season, I think you try to get uh, scoring any way you can. And if that's the line that's working, that's the line you roll with. Question number two comes from Brendan. I really like 
uh, Evan Rodriguez and Danton Heinen, but they are both going to be looking for two and a quarter to three and a half million uh, on their next contract. Uh, Taylor Haas of DK um, on Pittsburgh Sports uh, recently reported a few days, uh, a few guys in the minors can likely fill in next year. Uh, Bella Reeve, Bjorkwist, uh, Hollander, and Angelo. Uh, these players will all make less than one million. Uh, what are your thoughts? We talked about the Penguins having to make some difficult decisions uh, in relation to the team being up against the salary cap. So let's look at Danton Heinen, who, like you mentioned, he's having a bit of a career resurgence here in Pittsburgh. 15 goals, 14 assists, 29 points in 69 games played and is a plus six. Where Evan Rodriguez, again, he's having a career year as well. 18 goals, 24 assists, 42 points in 75 games played. So I would imagine both of these players, like you mentioned, are looking for raises. Will they be brought back? That remains to be seen, obviously. How will the Penguins maneuver the salary cap? Looking at the roster in the American Hockey League for the baby Penguins, there are some names here that would be intriguing looking at next season. You mentioned a couple of them in in Angelo, Bjorkquist, and Hollander. Uh, looking at uh, Valtteri Pustinen, who uh, has been called up here, I don't think he has made his... Has he made... Robbie, do you know if, if Pustinen has made his NHL debut? Or he might have played in one game, and then he was sent back down. Let me check uh, here real quick. He has played in one game, yes. He uh, played against... I don't have the game here, but he did play one game a couple weeks ago. Okay, so he obviously doesn't have a ton of, of NHL experience, but he's leading the Baby Penguins right now in scoring with 18 goals and 19 assists for 37 points in 66 games played. Samuel Poulin has 16 goals and 35 points in 64 games played. Uh, P.O. Joseph on defense. Drew O'Connor is still down there chugging away in, in the minor league system. Jonathan Gruden is another prospect that, while he may not have top billing, certainly someone to keep an eye on who could contribute in that bottom six. Philip Hollander, Alex Nylander was making waves at, at some point uh, throughout the minor league system. Uh, he was recently traded to the Penguins uh, from the Chicago Blackhawks a couple of months ago. So, yes, the Penguins do have young pieces that they may have to rely upon next season to potentially fill out that bottom six. Guys like Zahorna or... Maybe Poulin finally gets an extended look uh, at the NHL level. Pustinen certainly delivering on some promise, being a seventh-round pick. P.O. Joseph, really, what's in store for him? Is next season going to be a make-it-or-break-it season for P.O. Joseph, being 22 years old? So, yeah, the, the Penguins definitely have some pieces that they could probably call up and, and see how well they could contribute, uh, given that some of the depth players this season are, like you said, going to be looking for... Uh, raises that the Penguins may not be able to deliver on. Question number three for you, Robbie, also comes from Brendan. Penguins prospect Sam Poulin has 11 goals in his last 14 games. However, he is most successful at the center position. With Sid, hopefully Gino, Jeff Carter, and Teddy Bluger, where does Sam Poulin fit? Can you see a possible Bluger, Carter, McGinn, and Poulin, Zahorna, Bellarive, slash O'Connor, Angelo, bottom six next year? Yeah, I, I mean, with like I mentioned in the Dumoulin part uh, in the main topic about changes are going to be coming, and these guys are eventually going to be uh, called upon for a bigger role uh, going uh, going forward here. And, I mean, it's going to be an open door for uh, all these guys. Now, obviously, Redeem Zahorna, Anthony Angelo, Drew O'Connor uh, all have NHL experience. Um, 
uh, as as late as early as this year. So I mean, the jury's still out on guys like uh, Sam Poulin. He may they may try to get him another year of pro hockey down in the AHL, but he could be one of the top top call ups. Uh, he's at the top of the list. I don't think they really had any plans this year to uh, bring him up unless uh, everything really hit the fan, which luckily it didn't get quite that bad. But yeah, these guys. Um, uh, the exact order of how they could fill in uh, will remain to be seen, especially with uh, so much movement, so much uh, movement left to happen uh, this uh, this offseason. So um, I, I think that there's a lot of promise. I mean, the guys that do have an NHL experience, especially O'Connor and Zahorna, have really shown flashes of being a very good, solid NHL player. Uh, so and then you have guys like Pustinen, uh, Allender, who they got uh, last offseason. I mean, there's a lot of decent talent there in the NHL that the Penguins can kind of fall back on should they not be able to fill out the roster with pending free agents. So I think that way there's a lot of a promise, uh, even though the the farm system isn't uh, in the best shape. But it's tough to make a full guess on who is uh, ready to come up. Obviously, the, the team looks to have some preferences and guys like Zahorna O'Connor. I think it's going to be a see what cards are dealt to them this off season. And then they'll see what guys are ready for a full-time gig uh, in the NHL next year. Uh, question number three or four, again, from Brendan. Uh, Brendan says he's, I'm from cool Harbor uh, played ball hockey with Sid a few times. Uh, he's three years older. So we never played ice hockey together in cool Harbor. Many have a kinship with Pittsburgh is that reciprocated because of Sid, or do people there really know care about Sid's home? I really like this question. I've never been to Canada. Uh, I've never been to Cole Harbor. I can't speak for the whole of Pittsburgh, but what I can speak from is personal experience. A couple of years ago, the Penguins put out a very, very well put together documentary. It was kind of an inside look at, at Sidney Crosby during the off season. It was called uh, There's No Place Like Home, uh, and obviously it starred Sidney Crosby as he travels back to Cole Harbor during the offseason and, and basically hits the reset button. I watched it again last night in preparation for the, the question coming up here, and I, I really enjoyed the look that the Penguins and Crosby both give to, to Cole Harbor. It looks like a very small-knit, residential community, almost kind of like the, the kind of town that I, I grew up in personally. But again, I don't know if you ask, if you ask the, the average Penguins fan where Sidney Crosby's from, I, I would guess that they would say Cole Harbor. I mean, it, it's been, it's been talked about a lot on several broadcasts over the years. He and Nathan McKinnon uh, are, are both good buddies. They both train there. Watching that documentary from a couple of years ago with Crosby and the look at how humble of a person he is, how more quiet and reserved he is. He's obviously not uh, a flamboyant or, or boisterous personality, but when he finally gets the chance to open up and show some of that personality, coming home, Cole Harbor, and being in that comfort zone that you can tell he's in if you watch the documentary, it's a, it's a very awesome in-depth look at Crosby and the place that he grew up in, the, the place that, as the documentary says, turned this kid into Sid the Kid. So if you haven't seen it, again, it's called No Place Like Home with Sidney Crosby. Put it to Google, put it on YouTube. It's very easily accessible through the Penguins. Very awesome documentary on Sidney Crosby and Cole Harbor. 
question number five comes from Penshan for you, Robbie. Penshan wants to know, why wouldn't an overtime or shootout win constitute clinching a playoff spot when it garners two points, which is, in a sense, the same as winning in regulation? I don't know if this is in reference to Tuesday night's game. where yes, the Penguins I, I needed... believe it is. Yeah. Okay, so the, Island, the Penguins needed to gain four points on the Islanders to clinch a playoff spot. Now, however, that that four points can come from the Penguins gaining points or the Islanders losing points. If the Penguins would have won that game in a shootout the other night, they would have gained two points. The Islanders would have gained one point, but also lost the point. So that would have taken the number, the magic, they call it the magic number, down to one because the Islanders, by getting that one point, kept their chances, though slim, of catching the Penguins um, alive. So the Penguins had to win outright in that game. Therefore, reducing the magic number um, would have been to zero because they would have gained two points and the Islanders would have lost two points. Two and two is four. So tonight, or well, Thursday night, this will probably come out after the game, so we'll have to wait and see. But the Penguins simply need a win of any kind because there's just a, just a three-point magic number, meaning if the Penguins gain two points tonight, that by virtue of playing the Islanders, the Islanders... That means the Islanders are either losing two points or one point. The Penguins two points uh, added into the Islanders losing a point or two points equals three or more, therefore clinching a playoff spot. Um, it's a little bit um, quirky math, but um, when you're playing four-point games, or in this case three-point games, um, that's where it, the team dropping points uh, also counts. It's not all about just gaining points uh, on your own by through wins or overtime losses or however you gain points teams also you can gain points by another team losing that's chasing you in the standings and question number six uh, we're going back to brendan he said what is each of your hockey playing backgrounds what did you play growing up robbie this can you, you can be included on this one too i'll, I'll start uh, i did not have a very athletic sporting background growing up if you can tell, I, I have to make my have to make my living through words and using the microphone. Otherwise, I, I probably would have tried to tried to be uh, a more athletic, but I, I could never do it. I, I was never athletic enough. I never got the athletic genes that were passed down from my dad. My dad played uh, my dad played baseball and football growing up, but yeah, I, I could not do that. I, I was never in good enough shape to even play uh, like JV in my high school. Uh, so obviously I don't have any hockey playing background, wish I did. Uh, I think it would be fun to play ice hockey or deck hockey, but for the sake of this question, Brendan, I'll say my hockey playing background has to, uh, go to playing NHL on my PlayStation. That that's the extent of my hockey playing background. Robbie, what about yourself? Uh, so I played a little bit of ice when I was younger, much younger, never played, uh, into high school or anything. Uh, we would do some, especially in college, play some. Uh, it wasn't really, I wouldn't call it deck because we didn't have a deck arena. Uh, we played on pretty much any open space we could find. Usually it was tennis courts at college or gym floor. Uh, we would play, uh, just pick up, nothing too fancy. Um, nothing ever really that organized, but uh, that was mostly in college looking for something to do. We played um uh, wherever we could really find space. It was, I wouldn't, it was not an organized league or anything like that. And it wasn't a uh, true deck because it wasn't the right surface. But uh, most of mine is just pick up um, hockey with some friends, college, after college. Uh, and a little bit when I was uh, younger, 
uh, much younger. But I mean, I can skate. I, I mean, we do skate, uh, not as much anymore. But um, I went to a lot of hockey games when I was younger. We had a local uh, East Coast Hockey League here in Johnstown. Uh, so uh, my hockey is more of as a spectator. But I do. I mean, we do pick up um, on basketball courts, tennis courts, anywhere we could really find uh, time and space uh, when I was in college and after college and stuff. Well, that will do it for this week's mailbag. I really enjoyed this week's mailbag for, for, for one reason or another. I don't know. There was just something about it when I was looking at the questions. I thought this was this is a really nice, really nice mailbag this week. So thank you all. Thank you all for, for submitting your mailbag questions. And that will do it for this episode of the Pensburg podcast. And uh, hopefully by the time we talk to every one of you next week, we'll have some positive news to report on uh, about the Penguins and their potential Stanley Cup playoff push. Uh, hopefully by this time next week, they will have officially clinched that playoff spot and we can firmly turn our attention to the, the Stanley Cup playoffs and hopefully what is another long Stanley Cup winning run. But for Robbie Noggle, again, I have been Garrett Bahanna. Again, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Pensburg Podcast and we will see you all right back here this time next week. <laughs>